please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. And while you're turning there, I want to mention two things. Number one, uh, our missionary to France, Kathy and Steve Vogue. Kathy Vogue is here in this country for about a month. And she is displaying an art display at Sans Moco down at Fresh Grounds. And uh, Jan and I had the opportunity to be there uh, yesterday and to see it. And it is absolutely wonderful. And I just want to really encourage you. It's so edifying. She's going to take the entire Bible story and she's going to go through with both poetry and then, believe it or not, and I, to be honest with you, I, I wasn't real excited about this, uh, but it's quilting. And by the end of it was over, it was overwhelming. I mean, I was led to tears on a couple of things. I just want to really encourage you. You can go down at any time. Uh, that it's open and go up to the third floor and see what Kathy has done. It's just wonderful. And so I want to really, really strongly encourage you. I think it's going to be up for about a month, and I want to encourage you, if you get a chance, go down. It's very edifying, very edifying. There's a list of uh, scriptures. We're not going to go through all of them, but it's in your, in, your bi in your bulletin. I'd like you to look at that. Finally, any young people who are here, all young people, can I have your attention, please? Um, if you're a young person here, what I'd like you to do, and if you're somebody sitting next to a young person, I'd like every young person to have a bulletin right now, okay? So just hand them a bulletin, okay? Do y'all got bulletins? Hold it up. Fanny, Isaac, Hannah, you got your bulletin? Okay, Chris, very good. All right, there you go, good guys. All right, way back there. I like those bulletins. Okay, every young person, have a bullet in your hand. Now, go in the back of it, and you're going to see a discussion question. We put discussion questions in the bulletin, and it's not just for kids, by the way. The discussion questions are in the bulletin for um, a, a, adults, uh, anybody going after, say, after a church or throughout the week, uh, they're for you to discuss. But I wanted to point them out to the kids because we really encourage your parents to teach you and to teach you how to listen to a sermon, and so we encourage parents to uh, take you through the discussion questions. But kids, I wanted to encourage you that if you get the discussion questions beforehand when you read your bulletin and you read through them, they're gonna, they actually are going to kind of give you the outline of the sermon. And uh, I particularly focused on you today, so let's look at the discussion questions. You see them? You're reading them? You ready? Here we go. See the first one? What about the grasshopper? See if you can answer that question once the sermon gets started. What is an inheritance? What is our inheritance? How sure and secure is this inheritance? How sh should we heirs now live? And what if I feel and am too unworthy? So those, see if you can, see if you can listen while you're listening to the sermon for the answers to each one of those questions because, Lord willing, that's my plan to answer those questions. So we're in Ephesians chapter 1. Turn there with me. And we're going to actually turn to 1 Peter 1 and Revelation 21 that Kevin read. So hopefully you kept that, those marked in there. Well, let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would please be with us now as we come to study your word. We pray that you would speak to us. We pray that you would help us. We pray that you would transform our minds and renew them so that we would know, not think in conformity to this world. We wouldn't be like thinking like the world, 
but that we would be have transformed minds and we would be thinking the way you want us to now think. And in this topic this morning, it's very important for us, Father. We pray, give us grace. Change the way we think. Change our outlook on life. Change our, our attitude, we pray. Help us, we pray, not just for this morning, but for the rest of our lives. And each week, each day, help us to see things as you want us to now see them. Give us grace, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. We're going to be studying together primarily one verse today, which is verse 11. We've been studying through Ephesians chapter 1, and we're at verse 11, where it says this. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now, the, 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 the main part of this verse is about inheritance, and that's what we're going to look at. But the middle part of this verse is one of those sweeping, dramatic statements of the overall sovereignty and predestination of God. Those verses that just kind of, whoa, you know, your mind's like, whoa, where's this going? What does this mean? So I thought the way that I would actually help us to sort of grasp this better is by telling you a story, but it's actually not a story. It's actually history, and it has to do with a grasshopper, Okay. If you were to go to London and you were to go see what's called the Royal Exchange, and the Royal Exchange is a massive building like we would see down in Washington, D.C., and it's actually where the Stock Exchange of Great Britain takes place there. The Royal Exchange building was built by a man named Sir Thomas Gresham. And Sir Thomas Gresham, uh, at the very top of that, of that building, you can still see it today, there's a weather vane, and, and at the top of the weather vane, there's a grasshopper. There's a grasshopper sitting there, okay? Why is that grasshopper on the weather vane? And in fact, you can Google that, and there's be all kinds of articles because people wanted to know. Why is that grasshopper on the weather vane? So I'm going to explain to you why the grasshopper is on the weather vane, and if you ever go to a, another trivia night like we had last night and this question comes up, you got it, okay? So here we go. The reason why that is there is because in Thomas Gresham's history, in his, it was either his father or his, great, his grandfather or something. Thomas Gresham, by the way, was an extremely wealthy man. Uh, he, was, he was a faithful Christian man. He was a very godly man. He actually suffered for his faith under one queen, and then under another queen, he, uh, he, was, he was magnified up because she was a Protestant queen, and he built this royal they uh, built this building, and that's where the, the, the banking of England took place. Anyway, Thomas Gresham's father, or one of his relatives, was born to a very poor girl, and she was pregnant out of wedlock, and she couldn't keep the baby, and she was very so she was so poor that she took the baby when he was born. She wrapped him up, and she took him out into a field, and she laid him in the in the weeds of the field, and she walked away. And she just, she just couldn't handle this baby. She couldn't, she couldn't afford to have this baby. The baby was laying out there in the field, and a young boy came in the field, and he was walking through the field. He would have never seen the baby because the baby was down in the, in the weeds like this. He was just walking through the field, and all of a sudden he heard a grasshopper chirp. And when he heard the grasshopper chirp, being a boy, he forgot everything else he was supposed to do, and he went looking for the grasshopper. And the grasshopper chirped, and he was looking for it. He was going to look for this grasshopper, and the grasshopper chirped. And here the grasshopper brought it, it chirped. The grasshopper was sitting right next to this baby. And the boy picked up the baby, and he took the baby home. And the family raised the baby, and it became Thomas Gresham's 
father or grandfather, I can't remember which one it is, okay? And so the Gresham family recognized that they existed because of a grasshopper chirp. And it was their belief that before time began, God had ordained that this grasshopper would be right next to that baby and would chirp right at that moment that would save their lives. And that was God. He, and so to the honor and glory of God, the grasshopper is now on top of the royal exchange. And the reason I tell you this story is because this is a story. This story tells us and focuses on the reality that God is sovereign over everything. And that's what verse 11 is about. Look at verse 11. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things. And see that all things? Grasshopper chirpers in that. All things according to the counsel of his will. I do not have time to go into this doctrine today. We've looked at it a little bit when we looked at chapter 4 and in other places in Scripture. But it is the doctrine of the sovereignty of God over all things. And you can really say that this is the doctrine that says this. God is God. God is God. God is infinitely great. He's majestic. He is infinitely wise. He knows all things. He is all-powerful. And he works all things after the counsel of his will. God has infinite knowledge. God right now, Jesus taught us this, God right now knows the number of the hairs upon the head of everybody in this room. The exact number. Not just in this room, in this county, not just in this county, in this country, not just in this country, every head in Africa, every head in Asia, every head in Russia, every head in China, God knows the exact number of hairs on every single person's head. Every single bird around this world, birds in Africa, birds in Australia, birds in Japan, birds everywhere, every single place in this world, Jesus taught us, birds are being fed individually by God. He knows them all individually. Every single flower that blooms, God has a handwork in that. His handiwork is in that because why? God is God. He sends the rain, the Bible says. He sends the sunshine. He numbers the stars. He names the stars, the billions and billions of stars. They tell us there's as many stars out there as there are grains of sand on the earth. God knows them all. God's aware of them. God created them all. God is in charge of them all. They don't shoot through the sky apart from God's sovereign will. God is sovereign. He's sovereign. He's Lord. He's majestic. He orders all things after the counsel of his will. Nothing takes place apart from God's will. Now, in your handout, I'm going to follow through this, so you're going to need to have this handy with you. One of the greatest kings that ever lived, King Nebuchadnezzar, was humbled by God. And when he was brought back a king, he understands kingdoms now. And he said this. He summarized this doctrine of the sovereignty of God so well. He said, For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? That's a wonderful summary of this sovereign God. 
Or, as the psalmist says in Psalm 115.3, your very next one, but our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. Now, God, Paul is referring to this doctrine of the overall sovereignty of God over everything. He's referring to it and he's, he's, he's actually, it's underlying, as it were, it's the foundation of what he says at the beginning of verse 11. And that's what we're going to look at today. And that is this idea that in him we also have obtained an inheritance. And so underneath this, this idea of the inheritance is this huge plan that we looked at last week. This huge massive plan of God that God has worked out before the foundation of the world. It has to do with our inheritance. Now let me ask you a question. If you were going to inherit a fortune... If you right now, you were going to inherit a fortune, okay? I mean a big fortune. You were going to inherit a billion dollars. You were going to inherit massive amount of land and, and, and businesses and, and homes and mansions and maybe even island. If you were going to inherit that, you knew that was coming to you, would that factor into how you live your life? Would that factor in? Would you think about your inheritance? Did you ever think about it? Would you gain some security from your inheritance? Would it, would it actually form part of your identity? See, see in, in, in times past, if you were an heir of a fortune, or you were going to be an heir of a fortune, that immediately, that immediately marked your identity. He's, see that guy walking over there? He's the heir of the Rockefeller fortune. Rockefeller kids was a big name when I was a kid. Now, you're a kid, and that big name isn't a big name to you anymore, but... But Bill Gates, oh, she's the heir of the Bill Gates fortune. He's the heir of the Elon Musk fortune. That's what, that, that marked a person's identity. That's who they are. Would your inheritance give you hope? Would it give you joy? When you had a present financial struggle, maybe right now you don't have your inheritance, so you're driving around an old rusty subcompact, and, then, and it breaks down. But it doesn't matter because someday you're going to be a billionaire. You see, you would be aware of your, of your inheritance. You would think about your inheritance. You would say, a vast inheritance is coming to me. Well, you know what, dear friends? It's true about you. It's true about you. And that's what we're going to look at. The New Testament apostles believed in this inheritance that was coming to all believers. And they urged their readers to. See this handout that I've given you? That is the, that are, those are the most, those are some of, not all, some of the, the times that the word inherit Heir, inheritance is used in the New Testament toward New Testament Christians. Look at all of that. And it's, good. It's, it's Paul, and it's James, and it's Jesus, and it's Peter, and it's the book of Acts, and it's the book of Hebrews. And, and this, this is everywhere. This is everywhere. And that's what we want to look at today. It's also in the book of Ephesians, this inheritance. Look at, ver again, we, we're looking at verse 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. Look at verse 14. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? Look at verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Flip over to chapter 5 and look at verse 5. Chapter 5, verse 5. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an adulterer has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And so this idea of the inheritance is huge. Well, let's ask the question, kids. You following? 
let's ask the question, what is an inheritance? What is an inheritance? Well, kids, if you don't know this, an inheritance is what somebody usually, once they die, gives over to you. It could be your parents, and you've inherited something from them. It could be a rich uncle who, when he dies, he leaves it all to you because he really likes you. You're his favorite niece or nephew. And that would be what an inheritance is. It's all of his wealth that comes to you. And so an inheritance is a gift. Inheritance isn't something that you earn. Inheritance is something that is just given to you because somebody loves you or somebody is, is, is warmly disposed toward you. They, they sign you on as being their heir, and you're going to inherit it. Now, in some ways, inheritance is a right. There's certain laws of inheritance, and it's a right. You know, you know, children normally are heirs in that sense. In fact, if, in your handout, if you look at the next verse, Romans 8, it says this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Now, you see that, that little phrase there, if then? If children, then heirs, that's the idea that, that inheritance usually follows family line, and therefore there's a sense of a, a right to it. There's a sense that it's appropriate. And then he goes on to say, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, what I've given you in this handout, we're not going to go through every one of these verses, but if you would like to go back and you would like to study inheritance and pray through these scriptures, I gave them to you for this. But notice here, inheritance and suffering... Uh, actually tie in together. They're not, they're not separate, and, and you can go back and meditate on that in this. But notice here that in our book of Ephesians, remember in Ephesians, we looked at the fact that in chapter 5, we were predestined to adoption as sons. The actual, if you'll remember, back when I was teaching on that, the actual idea of adoption in Roman society oftentimes really was tied together with inheritance. It was people who didn't have children and they had this vast lands and all of this money and all these mansions. They would adopt somebody in order to give them the right of inheritance so that all of this stuff would come to them. And so this tie-in between adoption and inheritance was actually a very important part of Roman culture that Paul is writing in and trying to help these Ephesians to understand this. And so that's what inheritance is. But also, inheritance is a loving gift from parents. Parents who have the wealth and the ability to give to their children or say, I want my children well provided for. I want my children's well-being to be, to be taken care of. I, I'm concerned about my children, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless them with this inheritance. And so you might have a, a, a man who has some wealth and, and some significance, and, and he, could, he could stand there with his son or with his daughter, and he could say, son, he said, all of this will be yours one day. I, I'm, I'm building this business. I'm making this all for you, for your well-being. He could have his daughter. For you, for your well-being, kids, this is, this is what I'm doing. And, and he could be excited about that and exuberant about that, that he wants his children to be blessed. Look at Matthew 25, 34. Jesus is speaking and talking about the end. And he says this, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, and catch the joy in this. I think there's joy in this. Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, for those of you, and most of you here now are Ephesians experts, 
you'll recognize right away the tie-in between that verse and Ephesians 4, where it talks about before the foundation of the world. Here Jesus is using the same language Paul did, but here notice, look, he says, come, my father, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. This is a father saying, son, look what I did for you. Daughter, look what I did for you. Look what I provided for you. This is the inheritance. And that's the idea that he's, that he's coming to. So then that leads us to our question. What is our inheritance? What is our inheritance? Well, we can answer this in many ways, and the scriptures does. Look at Matthew 19, 29. For everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundred more and inherit eternal life. Let that sink in a little bit. Eternal life. Sometimes we just say these things too quickly. Eternal life. One of the things that we will inherit is eternal life. We won't, we won't, we won't succumb to disease. We won't come to, succumb to death. We won't, we, a massive heart attack won't be the end of us. We will have eternal life. We will live forever and ever and ever as a gift, as an inheritance from God in Christ. So that's one of our inheritances. The other, inheritance, the other part of our inheritance, or the other way this is described, because it's an actually multifaceted inheritance. In other words, somebody who just inherits money, they get money. But if you inherit money, and you inherit mansions, and you inherit Rolls Royces, and you inherit yachts, and you inherit businesses, and you inherit an island, and you inherit all of these stocks and bonds, that's a complex inheritance. And we have a complex inheritance in Christ Jesus. And yet, in some sense, it's all tied together as well. Now, we looked at one of them, actually, last week. Look at verse 10, Ephesians 1.10, that in the plan or the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. And so there's a sense in which we can say, we will inherit everything in Christ Jesus. Everything is ours. Paul actually says this with great exuberance in 1 Corinthians 3 when he says this, Therefore, no one, let no one boast in men. All things are yours. He's talking to the Corinthian Christians. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And you are Christ and Christ is God's. Remember how I started the sermon out and I said, Do you think about your inheritance? Does this form your idea, your identity as you look at life? Look at these New Testament Christians. Look at these guys. These guys had a sense that this is already ours. This is all ours. We've won already. We have it all in Christ Jesus. We are rich in him. And that's what the Bible speaks of. All things are ours in Christ. We're united to Christ. All that is Christ is ours. We're joint heirs with Christ. All things that Christ has, all that is coming together in Christ is ours, in him. Or we can focus this another way. The new heavens and the new earth will be ours. The new heavens and the new earth. If you've marked where Kevin read in in Revelation 21, I'm going to read Revelation chapter 21, verse 7. Yeah, I'm going to keep you busy today. I'm under the assumption you came to church to learn something. So I'm going to make you learn. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Revelation 21, 7. He who overcomes 
shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Now, now notice that this is in the context of 21.1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven, and the first earth had passed away. Now notice here, this is in the context of the new heaven and the new earth. And here, Jesus, the, 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 the Spirit is saying, as it were, he who overcomes shall inherit all things, in verse 7. All things shall be yours. It's kind of like what Matthew, it says in Matthew 5, 5 in our handout. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Yeah, I've been meditating on this all week. As I've been driving around, as I've been thinking, as I've been looking out my little backyard to a big field that I don't own, to woods that I don't own, as I've been riding my bike and I, I go past woods that I don't own and fields that I don't own, and houses that I don't own, and I look at the sky, which I don't own, none of that. In fact, they say when you die, you only own about six by three where you're buried. That's about all you own in the end when it's all said and done, okay? And uh, now some of us don't even own that. Some people are just going to own an urn, I guess, or wherever. They're, they're, they don't own nothing. But I've been driving around, and I'm saying, I'm going to own all this. I'm going to own that. I'm going to own that stream. I'm going to own that field. I'm going to own those trees. I'm going to own those mountains. I'm going to own the sky. I'm going to own that sun. I'm going to own these stars. I'm going to own this whole earth. And then I corrected myself. I said, Todd, you shouldn't say that. You should say, we're going to own all this stuff. The, the people of God, we're, this is ours. We're going to own all of this. Now, now let, me, let me kind of help you to understand something. I, like, I love the outdoors. I just, I love, I'm, I'm oriented toward that. I love the outdoors. I love the, the birds, and I love the squirrels. We're going to own all that, by the way, someday. I love the trees. We're going to own all them someday. But we also live in a fallen world where there's decay and where there's death and where there's thorns and thistles and mosquitoes bite. They haven't been rehabilitated yet. And uh, there's, there's all kinds of ugly stuff going on here and everything. There's rotten roadkill. There's, there's, there's ugly smells, and, and there's bad stuff. Now imagine, imagine you were you were a um, you were going to inherit a castle, a castle. You've seen these castles in England. You're going to inherit a castle, okay? But there's one problem with your castle. It's in disrepair. There's flaking uh, paint in your castle. The floors have buckled. Water is dripping down in your castle. It smells musky. The, 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 the woodwork has been all stained. Uh, windows are broken in your castle. The grounds have, have grown up into weeds and, and, and all kinds of thorns and thistles. But it's your family castle. And when your dad dies, it's going to be your castle. And your dad's hobbling around in the castle. And you're like, this castle stinks. This castle is musky. I'm not even sure I want this castle. But imagine before you inherit the castle, dad, dear old dad, got on, got on, a, 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 got on it, and he had the entire castle redone. The entire castle redone. 
All of the floors are new and shiny. All of the woodwork has been, re, has been refurbished, and it's beautiful. All of the windows are beautiful. Again, the stained glass windows have been reglazed, and, 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 and they're all beautiful. The roof is absolutely new, and there's metalwork everywhere. And the outside stone has been all sandblasted, and it's beautiful. And the yards have been all terraced again, and the flowers are all blooming again. And it terraces down to the beach, and all of that has been cleaned up. And you walk in there, and everything just looks so shiny and smells so new and is so fresh. And this is going to be your castle. And you're like, yes. Yes, what God is going to do is renew and restore this whole earth, this new heavens and new earth, restore it all. Sin is gone, decay is gone, death is gone, evil is gone. It's cleansed, it's restored. Behold, I made all things new again. And then you know what God's going to do? He's going to hand you the keys. And he's going to say, this is yours. It's all yours. I did this for you. I did this for you, and we are going to inherit the earth. The meek shall inherit the earth. But we're not done yet. You say, what do you mean? We just, God's saying, I'm giving you all the stars, all the planets, everything is yours. All of it is yours. The oceans are yours. We're not done yet. There's more, there's more, there's more. You say, what could possibly be more? Our inheritance, the Bible says, is God. God. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, you see it there in your handout. That's the Old Testament. And it is referring to the tribe of Levi. See, remember they had 12 tribes? Well, all, they all got land except for the tribe of Levi. They didn't get any land. But notice what it says in Deuteronomy 10, 9. Therefore, Levi has no portion nor inheritance with his brethren. The Lord is his inheritance just as the Lord your God promised him. See, the Levites were the priests. They were the Levitical priests. They were given, they were in the temple. They were serving and worshiping God. So rather than getting land, they got this unique privilege to have this unique relationship with God. And that is what the Bible teaches about us. If you're still there in Revelation 21, notice what it says in verse 3. It says, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. If you loved your father and your father had a musky old castle and then your father loved you so much that he spent several millions of dollars fixing that castle so that it will be special for you, so that it will be clean, so it will be nice, and you finally get that castle, why? Because your dad died, and you'll never be around your daddy, and you won't talk to him again, you won't see him again. You'll enjoy the castle, but there will be a void. He won't be there. In the new heavens and the new earth, that's not going to be true. In the new heavens and the new earth, God is going to redo it, refurbish it, replenish it, make it beautiful all for us, but then he's going to live there with us, and we are going to inherit God. How rich we will be. How rich, rich we will be. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 again. And notice, well, jump ahead to verse 18. And notice what Paul says in verse 18. It's, it's his prayer. He's going to burst out in prayer in the second half of Ephesians 1. And he's going to pray primarily that we would be given the Holy Spirit and power and strength. And we would be enlightened and our hearts would glow and with understanding. And look at verse 18 in the middle there. He's what he's praying. The eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that you may know the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance 
in the saints. These guys were jazzed about the inheritance. The inheritance meant everything to these early Christians. They lived for it. They breathed it. They loved it. And now look what he's saying. You're going to need the power and the help of the Holy Spirit to come in and to enlighten your eyes and to help you to understand and to know how rich and blessed and glorious your future actually is and how the Father has prepared this for you. And you will inherit all things, including he himself. Well, how secure is this inheritance? I mean, Todd, I, I get that. I get that. But I can't see it yet. I can't see it. How can I hope for it? How secure is this inheritance? Well... Look at chapter 1, verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Well, friends, just by reading that second half of that verse, this thing sounds real solid. Real solid. The sovereign God of the universe who works all things after the counsel of his own will, who predestines all things according to his will, who makes a grasshopper chirp, planning that for billions of years to save a young child's life so that that will definitely happen. This God has promised this inheritance to us. It's going to be ours. Kevin also read from us from 1 Peter if you've saved that, then turn to it now. If you haven't, just listen while I read to you. 1 Peter 1, verses 4 and 5, Peter writes this. To an inheritance, part of what we gained in Christ, to an inheritance incorruptible, that means it can't rot, it can't rust, undefiled, and that does not fade away. Check out the next words here. Reserved in heaven for you. God has got this thing reserved for you. And look at verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Not only is the inheritance preserved for you, but you're going to be kept for the inheritance. This thing's secure. This thing is secure. I, I'm not a betting man, but I'd say bet the farm on this one. You are going to have this inheritance. Well, then that leads us to the final question. Then, How should we as heirs live? How should we as heirs live? What does this mean for us? How, what does it mean that we're supposed to have this inheritance? Let me read to you something. It's from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones' commentary on this verse. And he says this. Were we to grasp this, we should... Were we to grasp this as we should, we would not only be the happiest people on the face of the earth, we would also rejoice with joy in uh, unspeakable and full of glory. Here he's quoting 1 Peter. We would do so because with Paul, we would realize that we have an interest in all this. We have a stake in it. We belong to the people who are going to share it. The great day is coming when sin and evil will be destroyed and the devil will be cast into the lake of perdition. This perfect harmony will then be restored in the entire cosmos. Such is the blessing that comes to us to one who is in Christ, a Christian. He is an heir of all blessing. He is going to be an inheritor of it. And so are all who are united with him. And so we look forward together. We look forward together. And then he goes on to say this. The kingdom of God in his, and of his Christ is coming. 
and nothing can stop it. And we who are in Christ are certain to be there. Dear friends, this is what we should do. This should loom large. This should have a huge impact upon our lives. And certainly by looking at this list, it had a huge impact upon Paul and Peter and James. And Jesus himself told us this is the impact that this should have. We have an inheritance. It is coming. And therefore, we should be people who are forward-looking. We should be people who are forward-looking. We should be people who are confident. We should be people who are assured. We should be people who are brave, who walk through this life boldly. We should be people who have a glow. We should have a glow. What am I talking about, this glow? You know the glow, the glow of joy, the glow of anticipation. It's the glow that children have on Christmas Eve. It's the glow that they have, the, the little excitement and lightness that they have. It's the glow that a dear man and woman have on the eve of their marriage and right after their engagement. It's, it's the glow that they have. It's the glow that parents have when a new baby is put into their arms. It's the glow. It's that glow that they have. And you and I should have this glow, this glow of this inheritance of this new heavens and new earth, of Jesus coming again, of all things being made right, of us being a part of that, of us being in that, of us rejoicing in that and of us being there forever and ever and ever and ever. We've been going through some pictures. Jan's been going through some pictures that we have from my mom's house and we've, we've actually found some obituaries and I've been doing the math. And dear friends, my grandfather has been in eternity. My grandfather, who died when I was 10, has been in eternity now longer than he was alive on earth. Dear friends, this stuff goes fast. This stuff goes real fast. And dear friends, we are going to be there forever and ever and ever because we're going to inherit eternal life. This should affect us. It should affect us in a powerful way. Lloyd-Jones goes on to write this. Men and women who believe this truth and who know that it is true are not over-interested in this world and what happens in it. I like that. They're not over-interested in this world and what happens in it. This world is passing away. This world is going is is to come under wrath. They're looking forward to the future world. It should affect our present, and it should affect how we approach life. Look at our handout again. Colossians 3 says this, If then we were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. See, we, that's our focus. Our focus should be there, the inheritance. Set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You say, yeah, I know, this is great. You got me all jazzed up. This is high theology. This is great. But where does it fit into my practical life? Well, I'll tell you what, look at the next verse. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Now look at that verse. Guess who that verse was written to? Oh, well, Christians. You know, middle-class Christians in the year 2023, and so I should do that. Well, yeah, it has been, but that's not who it was originally written to. That verse was originally written to slaves. Slaves, Paul says. 
He says a few things, then he says this. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. He told slaves, work with all you got. He told slaves who had the most menial jobs and the most demeaning position in society, who owned nothing, nothing, who didn't own the, the, the bed that they slept on, didn't own the house that they lived in. Their food was given to them. They were slaves. And they had the worst of the jobs, the dirtiest jobs, the smelliest jobs, the, the most insignificant and menial jobs. And they were looked upon as nothing. They were almost looked upon as they were invisible. Where's your master? Where's your master? Get out of the way, slave. Where's your master? Where's your master? And Paul says to these Christian slaves, look at what he says. Whatever you do, roll up your sleeves and do it with all your heart. Do it with all your heart. You know why? Because you're not serving your master, your human master. You're serving your earthly master, your, your heavenly master, the Lord. And knowing that from the Lord, you're going to receive a reward for your faithful service to him. The inheritance, you serve the Lord Christ. This was supposed to impact the way they saw their life and the way they lived their life. They were going to live for Christ. And this blessed poor people all through the centuries and the ages... Look at James chapter 2 and verse 5. Listen, my brethren, God has not chosen the poor, has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who loved him. We are going to be heirs. How should this impact us? It should impact us by living holy lives. Why should this impact us to live holy lives? Well, look at Ephesians 5 5. Ephesians 5 5 says this. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. You see, heirs of the kingdom say this, there ain't nothing stopping me from getting there. There ain't nothing stopping me from getting there. I am not going to participate in the sins of this world. I'm not going to give myself to this corruption of this world. I'm not going to give myself to the covetousness of this world so that I live for things, I live for stuff, I live for money. That ain't going to happen. You say, well, good, Todd, I'm good at that. I got that one. Well, look at Hebrews 6. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Be diligent until the end. Be full of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. This one gets a little bit more closer to home. I am not. This is what the Christian says. I am not going to let my zeal wane. I am not going to lose interest in the things of God. I am not going to let myself become sluggish and become ho-hum. And lukewarm about my Christian faith. No, I am not going to let that happen. Because look at this. Look at this. I'm going to be one of those who's going to inherit the kingdom. And that's why sometimes you have to say to yourself, I'm going to church. I'm going to sit under the word. And I'm going to be fed. I'm going to pray. Even though I don't feel like praying, I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to stay close to God, even though I don't. In fact, because I don't, and I'm sluggish, and I'm, and I, and I'm, and I'm, getting, I'm getting a little weary, and I'm, and I'm getting a little cold in my heart, I'm going to really jump on this. I'm going to pray. 
And when I don't feel like praying, that's when I really need to pray. When I don't feel like reading my Bible, that's when I'm really going to read my Bible. When I don't feel like going to church, I'm going to make myself go to church because I want to get in the kingdom. I want to inherit it. When those, I'm going to go to the evening service. I'm going to go to the Bible studies. I'm going to find a Bible study. I'm going to go to the prayer meetings. I'm going to serve others. I'm going to put my phone down. I'm going to shut my TV off. I'm going to shut out this world that would drain my heart, sap my energy, draw me away from Christ, make me lethargic, make me care less about the kingdom, make me interested in its stuff and its beautiful things and its pleasures and its joys so that I go down with this world. No, I'm going to remember Lot's wife. I ain't going down with this world. I'm going to inherit the kingdom. And dear friends, that's what our attitude needs to be. There ain't nothing keeping me out of this kingdom. Nothing. Finally, let me say this. There may be some souls here who are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no. I'm too sinful for this kingdom. I'm too bad for this kingdom. I'm so spiritually dead. My past is so ugly. Not me. I can't possibly inherit this kingdom. Not me. Look at me. Not me. And my answer to you is yes, you. Yes, you. You know why? Because you're exhibiting the very, the very sign that you should be exhibiting at this point. You say, what are you talking about, Todd? Well, look again. Look at the text. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You see what you're doing, dear one? You're forgetting, you're forgetting what we've learned in Ephesians so far. In Ephesians 1 7, it says this In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You're forgetting Christ. You're forgetting the blood. You're forgetting the cross. You're forgetting grace. You're forgetting the riches of his grace. No, dear ones, listen. The glory of the kingdom is that it's all of grace. It's for unworthy people who don't deserve it. It's all of grace to the glory and praise of his grace. That's what it is. Look at verse 12. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. No sin can keep you out of the kingdom. No failure can keep you out of the kingdom. No ugly past can keep you out of the kingdom. No, if you're ready to give up those sins, if you're ready to turn on them, if you're ready to repent, if you're ready to come humbly and seek forgiveness through the blood of Christ, if you're ready to seek first the kingdom of God, you will be cleansed, you will be washed, you will then be given a free, gracious gift of your inheritance. And it will be all of grace. That's the thing we're all going to do with our keys to the kingdom. Here we are, new heavens and new earth. Here we are, new fresh, clean bodies. Here we are, and we're going to bump into each other, and we're going to say, why in the world are we here? Oh, it's all of grace. It's all his goodness. And there's, the, there's God right in our midst. It's all his goodness. It's all his mercy. It's all his love for sinners. It's all his unmerited love to those who are wicked. It's he who sent his son. We're here. We have this kingdom. We have this inheritance forever and ever. Because of grace. Not just because of grace. Because of the God of grace. All praise to the God of grace. Let's pray together. Oh, Father in heaven, please, as we prayed before, we pray now again. Transform our minds. 
that we would be people who know a great and rich inheritance has been prepared, is coming, is already ours, reserved in heaven for us. Father, help us, we pray. Help us to be people of joy, people glowing, people who are hopeful, people who are filled with a gratitude for your grace that is coming. Father, if there are any here who just needed that invitation to grace into your kingdom, into your son, into salvation, please, I pray, save them. Work in their lives. Draw them to you. And Father, we thank you and we praise you and we glorify you that the land and the ground and the earth that we are standing on right now is one day going to be ours. Ours. For you, by your grace. We pray this in your precious name.